Where do we start this? And the answer doesn't matter. We're having a good time. Right. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get in here. You need sales balls to make sales calls. Sure. I'm tweeting that puppy. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. We're your hosts, Jeffrey and Jen Gittimer. I'm the author of The Little Red Book of Selling and 15 other best-selling books and the creator of the seven-figure sales formula program. I grew up in Philadelphia, sold in New York City, but was smart enough to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the author of Sales in the New York Minute and creator of Breakthrough Business Babe Community. Fun fact, I'm obsessed with our dogs and consider them humans. If you have a dog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sell or Die is for sales professionals, salespeople, sales managers, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to sell more at full price, earn loyalty, and have an unlimited stream of referrals. Every single episode is going to give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can get your calls returned, your proposals read and acted on, all while creating relationships that you can take all the way to the bank. It's time to sell or die. Welcome back to another episode of Sell or Die. In today's episode, we are talking about the decision maker. And why you think you're talking to him, but you're really not. <laughs> well, it happens so often. So first of all, we're going to talk about what happens when you think you've gone into the decision maker and then you really haven't, and what to do to avoid having that happen, and what questions to ask so that that never happens to you. You're always talking to the decision maker when you're going down the sales route. Keep in mind that customers are going to lie to you more than you will lie to them, and you put a situation in the form of a question that breeds a lie. Are you the decision maker? Are you the person who decides this? Are you the person who, you know, you, you ask a question trying to qualify the decision maker instead of trying to uncover the buying process. People always say qualify the buyer, and I say that's stupid. Qualify the buying process. That's smart. So I see this happen all too often. Someone will be working their way, you know, in a sale and think that they're getting towards the outcome and the outcome being the person they're speaking to is going to buy right? And die hard, I want to know if this has ever happened to you. And you get all the way along that path, thinking you're talking to the decision maker. You're like, they're gung ho, they're so excited, they're cheering you on almost because they're so excited that you're going to get the sale. And they want to work with you. And then you get to the like, okay, so when do you want to get started or whatever your closing question is. And you find out <laughs> that they need to run it up the chain. Right. Let's think about the questions that you ask based upon the statements that the customer is making to you. I'm looking for might indicate that they're more of a decision maker. We're looking for indicates that that person is not the decision maker. So my question would be, who's the we? Because as soon as you confront the other person with a reasonably challenging question, who's the we, they kind of have to say, well, we have a committee. Well, we have a, you know, and committees are bullshit, by the way. 
they're total non-decision-making entities that have to go to talk to their daddy or their mommy when they're done to find out if they can actually pull the trigger. You know, it's so interesting because who's the we sounds almost ballsy. You know, like some people might actually be afraid to ask that question, but the truth is the person on the other line isn't going to get offended by that question. It's a normal right. question to ask like, oh, okay, you're referring to we, you're sitting there with you. Who's the we? Right. Who is the we? So I'm going to give you a scenario that will help you every single time you are ever confronted in a situation where you want to make a sale and you're not certain who the decision maker really is. And it does not involve a direct question that will usually breed a lie. The direct question is, are you the decision maker? You can also say, do you work with anybody else in this? Which is a bullshit fucking chicken ass question that says, are you the decision maker? So I'm gonna give you a lifetime foolproof question. Ready? Oh yeah, let's do it, Jeffrey. Okay. Bob, how will this decision be made? Now, I'm not saying, are you the decision maker? I wanna know what's the decision making process? Well, Jeffrey, I'm glad you asked. We get proposals from three or four people, and then we sit around the table and we pick the best one. Um, Bob, the best one or the lowest price? And they go, well, that depends. I said, well, it depends on what? Well, it depends on, you know, whatever their criteria is. But it's obviously, it's a price-based question, not a value-based question. So I say, okay, so you sit around the table and you pick who you think is the best one for your company, right? And they go, oh, yeah, of course. I say, okay, then what is the most powerful two-word question in sales other than fair enough? Then what? The guy is forced to tell you what happens next. Well, then we go to the CFO because anything over 25,000, the CFO makes the decision. I'm like, okay, fine. Then what? Well, then anything over 50,000, the CEO. So they, they don't decide shit. These are little peony people that can't decide what color toilet paper to buy. I'm old enough to remember when toilet paper came in colors. I apologize for that. It's now all white. <laughs> but, I wonder why they got away from that. I don't know. Happened in my lifetime, though. It was always pink or blue or something. Yellow. Never my favorite color. But anyway. Yeah, I remember that from my grandma's house. Yeah. So let's look at it from the perspective of how will the decision be made? Then what? Then what? Then what? Then I find out the entire process. And then I'm gonna say, is it okay if I include all of these then what people when I send you the proposal? I'm not offending anybody. Yeah, I'm asking permission. Every single time I'm asking innocuous questions, then what? And then I'm saying, may I include them with the proposal? Now, what's gonna happen is, number one, you will have defined who the real decision maker is. Number two, you will have asked, hey, can I bring them into the sale? You're, they're gonna decide on me anyway. That way you're not, well, how do I get around this person? You get around the person by setting the right stage and not waiting too long into the process, you moron. So back when I was selling education- I didn't mean to call it, Diehard, I did not mean to call you a moron. I meant to call the other guy that does this the same <laughs> way you do it, a moron. Obviously, we love you, Diehard. Yeah. So- I know, I don't- <laughs> When I was selling educational software and Zoom wasn't even a thing yet, 
And I was selling it over like WebEx and it was just, it was hard, man. It was slow. Anyway, I would get on these virtual meetings and they would tell me, you know, they were the decision maker, but I knew they weren't. And, but they wanted to like gloat. It's so weird. Like you said in the beginning, Jeffrey, they lie. And I don't know why people do this. Like they think maybe they're convinced in their mind that they're making the decision, but they no. don't. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. They're going to say, well, my boss decides, but they always take my recommendation. Mm. Oh, really? So what you're saying is you have this big project and you want me, but your boss has a friend, a brother-in-law, some acquaintance of theirs that they've been doing this for 25 years and they're going to pick me over that guy? Not going to happen. So what I would do for that was one of the, the reasons. boss always takes my recommendation. Write this down if you're taking down two words. Fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. So I would be selling on virtual, and this was way before yeah. virtual was a thing. And I mm -hmm. would talk to them about how the decision would be made. I had not yet read your stuff, so it's kind of ironic because we think so similarly. And I would ask them that question, kind of knowing the answer because all schools and most mainly charter schools made decisions the same way. And they would tell me their process and I would go, great, great. So why don't we set up a meeting with all of them and I can do the demo once for all of you. And now they don't want to feel, they don't want to like wait, quote unquote, waste my time. Even though I never said that, I only implied it by making them see it once and then doing it again. Right. And this was before it was like super easy to get on these things and whatnot. And it worked almost every time. I wish I could give you the actual like statistical number, but from a qualitative perspective, almost every time I was able to get the entire decision-making board on one call to talk to me. So it wasn't me pitching to someone who's claiming to be the decision-maker and then going back and having to sell your stuff because that's not fair. They're not a salesperson. So putting them in that position to have to then go sell it to the other people who are going to decide is not fair for you. And so I was always under the, I don't know, it was just like my prerogative to get them all on the call, pitch them at once. And they loved it because they didn't have to do the hard work. All they right. had to do was corral them for me. Listen, getting all the decision makers in one place is in the little red book of selling. The little Your red job. book of selling last yeah. week had a record breaking week which is like so insane to me because it sells hundreds of copies every single week, but it sold like a couple hundred more than usual. It I sold a couple know. hundred more than usual. I don't know what the like uptick was. I, when was this Valentine's created, Jeffrey? Valentine's Day. No, it was pre-Valentine's. It came out in 2004. We're 16 years old. Oh my goodness. Old. It says, yeah. mine says copyright 2005. Yeah, 2004 is the first edition, September of 2004. So, wow. And it was already in its fifth printing under a year later. You know, I have to tell you, Die Hard, if you have not read this book, it Nothing's is wrong. one of the easiest, fastest reads. And it's really phenomenal. And I cannot believe, believe 16 years later, it is still selling better than some of the even newer books on yep. the virtual bookshelf on Amazon because it freaking rocks. My book 
the Little Red Book of Selling sell more copies in one year than most sales books will sell in a lifetime. That's pretty interesting. And it will continue to sell literally forever. And I'm never going to change it. I'm not going to have a new edition of the Little Red Book. Diehard, hmm? let me know in the Instagram DMs because you're always good at DMing me. Would you like a companion guide or like a workbook to go along with the Little Red Book of Selling? Well, it's already there. It's the Little Red Book of Sales Answers. Well, that's like a sister book. <laughs> okay. What I think we should do literally yeah. is we're, we're good at this is create the course. Okay. Little Red Book of Selling course. Yeah. That's, you know, it'll have some updates in it because we're going to mention the word social media. And which not, is not facts. Here. Huh? <laughs> Not facts, right? <laughs> but you know what? It, shit evolves. Yeah. It's kind of crazy cool. Totally. But the questions that you ask, they're not going to evolve. They, they're totally not going to evolve. The only sales objection that's new in the past hundred years is I can get it cheaper online. That is the only new sales objection in a hundred years. So... I love this concept of getting to the figuring out how to get to the decision maker up front without and, you know, offending anybody. You've talked about how my personal zone of genius is what do you call it, Jeffrey? You have such a good way to describe this about how I find the smelling path money. to sale. Smelling money. Smelling There's money. You can smell money. Okay. But let me well, explain. You know, the money, you know what your objective is in the sale and you stay on it. So diehard, I'm going to tell you what goes on a little bit in my head because I think it might help. So remember those mazes you used to like draw from the beginning to the end when you were a kid and you used to like find the path, literally like it, it could be all turned around and upside down and then up, then up, then to the right. and But then you would get out on the other side. I literally picture the sail in my head like a maze and I'm figuring out in my head how I'm going to get to whatever it is we're selling, whatever the offer is to their outcome, because their outcome equals my sale. Their outcome equals your sale. And so if you can start with that end in mind, literally not to sound cliche, but, but start with that, then you work backwards and you think about like all the things along the way that may come into play. And I think one of the most important things with sales is actually getting to speak to the person who's going to buy. Why would you want to speak to someone other than the person who can pull the trigger every time? I just want to throw something at you, Jen. Yeah. They begin with the end in mind. It's begin with the outcome in mind. I want to know what's going to happen after the customer takes ownership. So maybe I should rewrite a book called The Real Seven Habits of Effective People. But I just, I don't want to, you know, jump on anybody's grave. The guy was amazing. He was in the right place at the right time. He has people that sell this thing all day long. I'm okay with that. Uh, the Franklin Covey School of Whatever's is wonderful, but it's just not my wonderful. I think there's a newer, better, smarter way of dealing with things. And... I'm going to pick that path. And I would challenge you, Die Hard, you need to pick that path as well. You don't begin with the end in mind. You discover what the customer's potential greatest outcome is, and you start by working backwards from that and giving them a path so they can visualize the outcome, and then they'll buy whatever it is that you have to sell at whatever price you have. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm not buying yeah. grass seed. I'm and, buying a lawn. <laughs> and the key distinction there is making sure you're talking to the person who's going to buy. Correct. I want a person that pulls the trigger. Who pulls the trigger? Because there's only one person. There's only one person. The committee does not pull a trigger. A committee might decide. Explain that because we have diehards deal with committees and they might be thinking, we might have a diehard who's thinking, no, 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 but in my sales world, Jeffrey, the committee decides. My people want consensus. Consensus is bullshit because somebody takes the consensus to their daddy or their mommy and says, what do you think? You never know about that unless you ask then what? Just saying. Yeah, I hear you. you did know, you have any sales I, where you didn't talk to the decision maker or you did? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously you've spoken to the decision maker in almost every sale, but any sale where you were like tricked? I'm just curious. Early on, I wasn't smart enough to ask for the decision maker and ended up always giving my pitch to somebody that I thought was the decision maker. And I'd get to the end of it, I'd get to the end of a great presentation and somebody would say, this is really great. I need to talk this over with my partner. And you're like, oh shit, you didn't tell me you had a partner. No, 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 don't blame the other guy. You didn't find out that they had a partner. I came to the conclusion of asking how will the decision be made by losing sales because I was too stupid. Well, maybe not too stupid, but you didn't have the training. You didn't have the information. You didn't know that that's what you needed to do. Like, dude, I'm not doing that again. One <laughs> time, though, one time I made the presentation of all times, and I'm walking out of this textile screen printing factory, and my brother-in-law has passed on. We're walking to the car after he said, I got to talk this over with my partner. We're walking out without a sale. And my brother-in-law said, I have no idea what I saw, but I'm really glad I saw it. <laughs> like, okay, fine, cool. So we get back to this guy's place the next day and the partner runs over to me and goes, tell him what you told me. Tell him what you told me. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That was a $10,000 sale in 1976. Wow. Okay, one last thing before we go. You have like yeah. a golden rule when men and women are involved in the decision. Yes. I, my personal rule is men decide nothing. Women make every decision of everything unless you're going to invade a country. And it's pretty much <laughs> No, I so don't know. I don't know. There's car. some high-powered women up there. <laughs> yeah. But, you um, know, it's so true. What color bar, what kind of sofa, <laughs> what we're having for dinner, who we're going to go out with, where we're going to get Bob for Christmas. I'm telling you what, men decide nothing. It's kind of funny, though. I mean, people will pitch you, totally yeah. disregard me. And then yeah. they're late. I think they're on the ninth leg of the sale. And I'm like, hey, so we're just beginning. Start over. You're at step <laughs> one. Let's go. <laughs> and all they needed right. to do was like, you know, involve me in the beginning. Right. right. <laughs> but the funny thing is, well, I don't know if it's funny or not, but you try to listen sometimes when people are pitching you and may not always say, hey, if you really want to make this sale, let's get Jennifer. Right. <laughs> okay, so Die Hard, I'm going to challenge you. 
I've given you the question, how will the decision be made? Then what, then what, then what? The secret process. And all you have to do is implement that and you'll never have to worry about running into the wrong decision maker or trying to get around this person's the real decision maker or any of the other bullshit or having somebody lie to you. You're never going to ask the dumb question, are you the decision maker or is anyone else involved in this decision making process besides you? No. So this is the secret to uncovering who the decision maker is. Until next time, I'm Jen Gittimer. I'm Jeffrey Gittimer, and I'm challenging you. Find the real decision maker, even if your ass falls off. Thank you so much for listening to Sell or Die. We hope that this episode has helped you transform the way you think, given you new ideas, and provided you a new perspective on the sales and business challenges that you face every day. So you can get out there and win the customer all the way to the bank. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us help more people just like you make a difference in this world. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories and tag us at Jeffrey Gittimer and at Jen Gittimer. See See you you next week. week.